Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my podcast. It is uh, the Sermon Podcast. It's been uh, up on our Podbean page as my live preaching the last couple weeks, for those of you who have been checking that out. Uh, But I'm back to the um, way I have been doing these podcasts today, and I am glad to be with you. Looking forward to um, doing some reflection with you. We are coming to an end of our sermon series called A Way to Pray, and I'll talk about that in a second. But first, let me read the passage uh, today that I'll be focusing on. This is from Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. So here are these words. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. May God's blessing be on the hearing and living out of this word. So my children go to a Catholic school, and every year in either February or March, they have a big fundraiser, a big gala that my wife and I have attended for the last several years. It's a pretty big deal. It's usually at a large hotel in Chicago, and so hundreds of people are there. Uh, and of course, if you've ever been to a banquet or a gala like this before, you know that sometimes it is a challenge to get the program going. Lots of people are uh, milling about, chatting with one another, uh, and so it's a bit of a cacophony of noise. And so even when the MC or the person who is trying to get things going to try to get people to take their seats, uh, clears their throat, says, attention, everyone, we're about ready to take our seats, attention, attention, and that doesn't seem to really do much to lower the volume of people chatting with one another. But one thing that has worked uh, for this particular gala uh, for uh, for the school is, and I noticed this like two, three years ago, they started doing it, uh, is that the priest or a priest gets up uh, and all the priest has to do is say, uh, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And it is remarkable. It happens every single year uh, that the priest will say that magic phrase and the noise of all the people that are talking to one another goes down several levels. And all of a sudden it becomes so eerily quiet by just simply saying that phrase. And then of course, it is also tradition, not only for the priest to say in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, it's also tradition for the priest to make some kind of joke. Uh, The fact that that was the magic phrase that got people to uh, quiet down a bit. But I do find it interesting that it goes from chaos to quiet in just a matter of five seconds by saying that particular, uh, those particular words. So I mentioned earlier we are uh, coming to a close of this sermon series where we're focusing on prayer, uh, and we're focusing on a particular kind of prayer called the collect. Uh, and the collect is a, a prayer coming from the Latin word collecta, which is a prayer that is often said at uh, a gathering or at the beginning of a worship service. And so we've looked at a particular structure of a prayer, particularly for those who really would crave structure, uh, for those who are not quite sure how they should begin this whole mystery of attempting to pray. 
So we've talked about how we initially call out and we have a name for God. And then we talk about how we remember what God has done for us in our lives. And then we make an ask. Oftentimes we use a verb. God, I would like for you to do this. Last week we talked about then after we make that ask, then we perhaps say the words, so that. So we make an ask of God, and then so that we or uh, the world might be changed and what role we would play in that. And then after we call on that or ask for that, then often we end the prayer by saying, uh, invoking the name of what in the church we call the Trinity. So we say in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, And in Urban Village, we also, too, name the fact that uh, we don't believe that God is a a man or male. So, And there's also language in the scriptures to name God as mother. And so we uh, can often uh, use this phrasing, too, in the name of God, our our mother and father, who is parent to us all, uh, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we call this uh, a trinity or the trinity. So that's what I wanted to focus on today is the ending of this prayer when we uh, use the name of the Trinity and then we end end the prayer with an amen. I'm calling a little bit of an audible by uh, saying this today. This is not the sermon that all the other sites will be talking about, um, but I did want to refocus on it. And whenever I talk about the Trinity, to be honest, I'm a little nervous uh, or anxious because most Christian theologians, Christian theologians would tell you that the Trinity is one of the most difficult things to try to explain. There's no, you can read through the scriptures and you can find bits and pieces here when the Trinity or this Trinitarian language is used, but there is uh, no overarching explanation of what the Trinity is in scripture. We can see parts of it. So, in today, we read from Romans. Uh, Romans is this letter uh, that was written by this man named Paul, who was really the first major Christian evangelist who had this uh, amazing transformative experience of the risen Christ and then started all these churches, including there was one that was started in Rome. And so Paul is writing this letter back to this church to explain who Jesus is, how they should be church. And in this passage that we read here, we see that Paul kind of hints around a bit at three aspects of the Trinity. Paul mentions God, he mentions Jesus, and he mentions Spirit. But as I noted, this is not necessarily the scripture where people will point to and say, this is, this is the final argument for the Trinity. In fact, the whole notion of this theological aspect of our faith, Trinitarian, was developed by a theologian named Tertullian in the year, who lived between the years of 160 to 220. And it's been debated over the centuries ever since. So I need to do a little bit of unpacking here to try to do some explanation of what the Trinity is. So for those who are unfamiliar with Christianity, it might seem like we are saying that we believe in three different gods, but that's not really the way of, uh, or the way that we explain it. A traditional understanding for Christians is to know God in three ways. So we will name God as father or mother, uh, the maker and creator of the universe, we know God as Son. This is Jesus, the Redeemer, the, res- the, the source of our salvation. And we know God as Holy Spirit, the sustainer, the sense that we have that God is real and present. One of the keys to, the, to this theological concept that was formulated in the early church is the use of the word homoousius. 
You can impress your friends this week by dropping that into conversation. Homoousius. It's a Greek word that means of one substance or of one essence. It was developed in the church, uh, in the, what's called the Nicene Creed in 325. And this really means that God is known in three ways, but really has the same substance or, or essence. There's a classic children's sermon that's been used to try to illustrate this, and they use uh, water as a way of describing this. So you might talk about water is known in three ways as the liquid water that we drink and bathe in. Uh, Water is known as ice. Water is known as steam. So all three things are water. It's just known in three different ways. Now, a downside of this illustration is that God does not choose one role to play than while leaving the others. They are essences of God simultaneously, and that makes it really hard to give a slam-bang illustration, but we do our best to try to figure it out. Maybe one way to describe this is to, to ask, what if there was no Trinity? What if we did not know God in this way? This I got this from a, a scholar named Stephen P. Eason this week. So, for example, if we were to often in in baptism, when we baptize somebody, we will baptize them in the name of the father or mother, in the name of the son, in the name of Jesus, and in the name of the spirit. So, if there were no trinity, if we baptize just in the name of the father, we would miss out on the work and person of Christ and the ongoing activity of the spirit. It would be a God who is powerful and mysterious, but a little detached. We wouldn't know God as flesh as we do as Christians. If we only baptized in the name of Jesus, we would miss the person of God, maker of heaven and earth, that part of God that is larger that we can see or understand, that is beyond our logic and reason. And then, of course, we would also miss the ongoing presence of God with us today, the Holy Spirit. And if we only baptized in the name of the Spirit, again, we would miss the, the awesomeness and creativity of God, and we'd miss out on the redemptive work of Jesus who rose from the dead to overcome our sinfulness. So this for Christians is why we believe in the Trinity and why we name these aspects of, of who God is. For me, one of the most helpful ways to think about the Trinity is that there is completeness, There is intimacy that we feel in the spirit, but also majesty of God creator. And there's something beautiful about completeness, at least for me. I don't know about you, but if you ever tried to get a a list done for the day of to-do lists, there's something very satisfying about checking those off in a few weeks or a couple weeks. Actually, my son and I are going to go visit my mom down in Florida, and I think we're going to try to go to the Epcot Center and Whenever we have gone to visit my mom in Florida, I always there's this app that uh, is pretty amazing. It's geared for all the major theme parks in Florida. And so you can plug in all the different things that you want to see, and it will tell you in live time exactly which things you should see at what time. And then you can just check it off. And I don't know about you, I find that just so unbelievably satisfying. You've got this list of things that you want to do and experience. You check them all off, and there's a sense at the end of the day of completeness. Now, that may also say something about it's not always the best way to vacation, but for me, there's that sense of completeness, of of being all together. And the Trinity connotes completeness. There's all aspects of God here. There is majesty and there's intimacy. There is also known as God in the flesh through Christ. 
it is helpful, I think, for us to think of and name completeness as we end a prayer. And it's helpful because we, if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes, maybe many times, feel incomplete ourselves. And Paul kind of mentions this in the scripture today. Paul notes in this passage that we brag in our sufferings because our out of suffering comes endurance, character, and hope. And when we read this passage, it is understandable and, and is a good thing to talk about. Out of our sufferings can come some good. Endurance, character, hope can come out of the sufferings that we, that we feel, that we go through, can come out of the incompleteness, perhaps, that we sometimes feel in our lives. But we shouldn't only focus on those three things, endurance, character, and hope. And we don't want to gloss over the fact that Paul names the fact that there are sufferings. Paul talks about it fairly often in his letters, about the suffering that he goes through. So we want to, for sure, name this. But an interesting thing, too, I don't know if you picked up on this, when we read this passage, is that in the midst of the sufferings, not only are there some benefits, I guess, for the lack of a better phrase, that come out of this, but also notice that God is present, that God gives us some things in the midst of our sufferings, and God provides for us in three unique ways. I don't know if you, again, picked up on this. So at the beginning, in verse 1, it talks about this. Paul says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's one part of the Trinity. Later on in verse 2, Paul says this, we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And then finally, at the end, in verse 5, it says this, Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through what? The Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Peace through Christ, the hope of God, and love poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not to say that the Holy Spirit has the has cornered the market on love, and I'm not saying that it is only through God that we have hope. I'm not only saying that we have peace through Christ at all. But I think it's interesting, and Paul perhaps talking about the different ways that we know God, this completeness, through this we receive three core possibilities, three core gifts that we receive from God, peace, hope, and love. Very similar to another part Another letter that Paul wrote, 1 Corinthians, you may have been to a wedding, and here Paul talks about three similar things. In that case, he talks about faith, hope, and love. And then he says in that context that the greatest of these things are love, peace, hope, and love. These things are present through the Trinity. And when we say these things, it reminds us of God's complete presence with us, a presence that bestows peace, hope, and love. And it's a wonderful way for us to close our prayers, to be reminded that God's completeness is with us through these things. Even when we might feel incomplete, fractured, or broken chaos in our lives ourselves. 
I've mentioned before that in addition to this podcast, I do another podcast uh, as uh, related to my book, Failing Boldly. And so in that other podcast, I have conversations with individuals about failure and perseverance and resilience. And I had a conversation a few weeks ago with a pastor and author named Lillian Daniel. She's currently pastoring a church in Dubuque, Iowa, and has written uh, numerous books. And it was a great conversation. And I also read her book, a book that uh, she wrote called, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm relying on memory here. I think Tired Tired of Apologizing for a Church uh, That I Don't Belong to. And in this, she talks about her own reflections and the writings that she's done on this whole segment of the population that names itself or it has been named spiritual but not religious. But in this book, she also talks about and tells this really wonderful story. In a sense, she writes this story as a tribute to her mother. And she talks about how when she was a child, uh, her mother moved to Tokyo to connect with her father, who was a foreign correspondent. And as they lived in Tokyo, the three of them, Lillian is an only child, uh, her mother and father collected Asian pottery. And she tells the story when she was a teenager and she looked at this collection of pottery that she had. One of them didn't fit in with the others. And she describes it this way. This is from her book. She says, with a cream glaze and a blue Japanese design, it looked like it had once been a fine antique, but now it was badly damaged and glued together. It stood amid the finer pieces, a mass of cracks crudely glued together with what was obviously the wrong type of adhesive. Everywhere the 20 or so pieces met one another, glue had bubbled out yellow as it dried, creating the effect of a dried-up runny nose. And so when she was a teenager, she asked her mom, Mom, why don't you get rid of this ugly vase? And her mother said, never. It's my most valuable piece of pottery. And then she told Lillian the story. So Lillian's father, as I noted, was a correspondent. He was a journalist covering Vietnam, and so he would often be in and out of the war zone. But he came home one day, and he had this vase with him. But Lillian, who was two at the time, was so excited to see her father that she rushed forward. And then her father was a little bit taken aback by that, so he opened his arms. But the vase fell and broke into so many pieces Her father apologized, and my mother wasn't too worried about it. She was just so delighted to see her daughter and husband together. Later that night, her mother pulled out the glue and clumsily repaired the vase and then pronounced it precious. Lillian went on to say that her mother could always see the beauty of broken things. And then finally, Lillian writes this, I still have the broken vase my late father dropped when he saw his young wife and me, his child. Glued together by my late mother, it is now up to me, their only child, to tell its story. The broken vase's beauty lies in the scars themselves, reminders that over the generations, God has picked us up, put us back together, places us back on the best shelf, and calls us precious. I love that story, as this vase means so much to Lillian, that even though when one looks at it, it is broken, the glue to an outsider would look kind of uh, not, certainly not very attractive, and yet 
There is completeness. All these pieces have come together, held together by this little glue over the years. And this is precious. When we think about our own lives and the feeling sometimes that we are incomplete and we wonder to ourselves, what is holding us together when we are at our wits end? What is holding us together? And when we say a prayer to God saying, Lord, I cannot do it anymore. I can barely hold anything together. We say a prayer. And if we close it by saying, this is in the name of our creator and redeemer, father and mother to us all. This is in the name of Jesus who has broken himself, who knew hard times, who was crucified. And in the name of the spirit, this gift that was bestowed upon us after the resurrection of Christ as a reminder that we would always have a helper, an advocate, a presence that is always with us and gives us peace and hope and love. When we pray this prayer and name the fact that we believe in this God who comes to us in so many different ways, God in the name of the Trinity, it reminds us that our God is complete and our God helps put us back together. And even though we have scars and cracks and glue, perhaps that looks like runny noses all around us, we invoke this name of God three in one and we say, amen because we know that this God puts us back together, that God takes the chaos of our lives and brings peace, that God takes the broken pieces of who we are and calls them precious. May we continue to lift up our prayers to this God. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, I'm going to be, next week is going to be a funny week for us. We're doing a special kind of worship service at Urban Village South Loop. So uh, we will put that service up on the podcast. It kind of remains to be seen yet whether I will be there. Uh, But uh, regardless, uh, there will be uh, reflections from that service. And we will make sure to put that up on the Urban Village Podbean page. I will be back with this kind of podcast in two weeks for Easter Sunday. So uh, please tune in for that. Uh, and then, of course, as I noted, you can go to my other podcast, Failing Boldly. You can search for that on where or wherever you get your podcasts, or you can go to my website, christiancoon.com, and check in with me there. Uh, I'm always happy to connect with folks uh, in that way. So, until the next time we're together, friends, may the peace of Christ be with you. Great God.